2: Hey, if you'd like to hear this show without ads and plugs interrupting, there's one thing you can do right now to make that happen, and that is become a PW Torch VIP member. You get about a dozen other podcasts throughout the week that I host that are VIP exclusive, and you get the Wade Keller post shows and podcasts during the week with the ads and plugs removed, all on a separate feed exclusively for VIP members. Plus, tons of other podcasts that are VIP exclusive, access to our full archives of podcasts dating back to 2004, which includes post pay per view roundtables dating back to late 2004 also access to our full archives thousands of podcasts over 1500 back issues of the pro wrestling torch weekly newsletter that started it all add free access to our website and more check out full details at pwtorchvipinfo.com that's pwtorchvipinfo.com to get full details and then jump to our sign up form it's mobile friendly desktop friendly in two minutes you can be a VIP member, show support for us, and we'll give you a lot in return, including a streamlined listening experience on your iPhone or Android device with the ads and plugs removed. Go check it out, pwtorchvipinfo.com.
0: Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
1: Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my
0: dentist's office.
4: Now, PW Torch brings you the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post
2: Show. It's time to talk this week's WWE Monday Night Raw. So, Brandon, um, uh, development in the dark order tonight. Buddy Murphy has joined. <laughs>
5: yeah it uh it felt a little uh felt a little bit like uh like that
2: <laughs> <laughs> i i didn't even plan to say that i just it just came out i mean i i i <laughs> i thought about it but you know i thought about how it was similar but it was like yeah i mean that is the top store here is a M- wb monday night raw paul heyman and company they're outdoing doing the dark order to the point that it'll seem by the time aw gets around to introducing the dark order leader um and and it's not going to be Marty Skrill, but it could be somebody else who's not under not available to show up under contract at the moment. Um, and By the time they get around to it and start accepting people, uh, more people, I guess, than a couple you know jobbers, it could seem like a rerun. But um, I, I was going to say on a serious note, but that is sort of a serious note. I mean, they kind of are doing them on one of their big storylines here. But uh, Seth and in, in the AOP uh, defeat Big Show, Kevin Owens, and Samoa Joe with help from Buddy Murphy, who. Was just despondent at ringside after losing yet again to Alistair Black in another uh, competitive, crisp, hard-hitting match. Uh, what do you think of that as a development for uh, for the Messiah of or the Monday Night Messiah, Seth Rollins, and uh, what this means for Buddy Murphy?
5: Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. I, I think uh, the the match as a whole, I, I don't really understand presenting it as a fist fight when it was more or less a, a sort of a. No disqualification match of sorts. It, uh, I don't know. They, they like to, they like to kind of throw these strange stipulations out there, and they publish these rules to kind of get attention uh, surrounding it. But it just felt mostly like a, like a no DQ match. Uh, so that, that was. I mean, that was fine. Uh, nothing wrong with the match in and of itself. As far as the situation with Seth, I, I think this is a dramatic improvement from, from where he was the last time I was on uh on a raw post show. I think I think the last time I was on I, I just flat out had no idea what they could do with him at this point and i think we're seeing uh the best of a bad situation and it's it's sort of turning into a good situation for them i think aop is working well as as seth's henchman and uh i'm i'm intrigued by buddy murphy joining their ranks it sort of felt a little bit more like a like a trio to me you know aop is as sort of the two heavies behind seth rollins kind of doing his bidding but if they want to expand the group i'm i'm open to seeing how they handle that i was a little bit upset by the fact that Alistair black didn't come to the babyface's aid we we sort of you see that old wwe trope cropping up of of you know baby faces not really supporting each other in the face of of strong uh, heel dynamics but yeah I, I think overall the the this iteration of seth rollins has been a vast improvement it's a vast improvement over his uh whiny sniveling heel character from a few years ago and uh i'm i'm really i'm really intrigued to see where it goes yeah, I, I
2: continue to be a big fan of Monday Night Raw. Um, I just, I really, this is a stretch of show, the longest stretch of shows in a row that I've enjoyed largely start to finish. I mean, you know, the wedding was the wedding, you know? I mean, it is it is what it is. It continues to be what it is. It wasn't enough to drag it down uh, for me, and it was sort of a guilty pleasure just given how weird it all was. But surrounding it with, with again, I just think this, this optimization of an all-star roster that that you know Paul Heyman has manipulated himself into it into attaining um not that he would love to have Daniel Bryan or you know what I mean it's not like it's totally lopsided but I think what Heyman ended up with is a roster of wrestlers who who are benefiting greatly from the show that he is last I heard executive director of and has had growing influence on and continues to be behind the scenes coaching and directing and producing uh wrestlers uh Again, I just thought, yeah, like what you said about Seth, this is a, a really good reframing of Seth. It is a maximum utilization at this point of AOP. They're not in the tag division. They are above the tag division. They are part of a top heel faction to let Buddy Murphy earn the respect of fans and show off in three stellar televised matches and put over Aleister Black, who benefits, but then end up in a better spot himself because of how hard fought how, how the performances he put on in the matches but then how you know the agony of defeat you know you're selling the idea that losing counts for something and then he gets he gets to join uh the top faction and and be in a, a relevant situation and not defined down or moved out of the moved out of the mix um and on and on you know i mean I, heck mojo raleigh's being utilized well and probably in the place he should be you know i mean yeah. uh drew mcintyre continues to be Really intriguing. They have him, I mean, almost by definition, positioned as a tweener. He's between a heel, AJ Styles, and a babyface Rand Yorton. Between. He's a tweener. And he's some of what he does seems heelish. Some of what he does seems uh, babyface-ish. He steals a pin, which is sort of heelish. um, But he pins AJ Styles, which is sort of babyface-ish. And five years ago on uh, the flagship show with Jason Powell, we were talking about Roman Reigns and fans rejecting him. And one of the things that I said is, WWE decided for the fans that he was the top star and they should like him, and they were pushing back. And at 2020 hindsight, five years ago would have been let the fans decide that Roman is underpushed and deserves a push, and that they like him before you give him the Superstar of the Year award, which was <laughs> you know the, the the beginning of one of the many you know dominoes that that knocked over uh, leading to the the rejection of him for so long. And I think that's what's going on here. Like I, I think they're letting Drew. Kip Up, once successfully, twice successfully, but almost not. And Smile More, seem like he's having a good time, but not be pushed as The Chosen One, which was, ironically, once, you know, he was once christened that by Vince McMahon. So, I just, a lot of lot of cool things continuing to happen on the show. I just, I recommend people who substitute listening to this for watching Raw, um, give Raw another chance, because I think you'll be uh, pleasantly surprised by it. And the ratings are, you know, looking good, um, you know, Relative to a year ago and uh, relative to last fall. So anyway, yeah, I just I thought this was another uh, good show. I mean, I for me to not be complaining about the show being too long is in and of itself an achievement. And I'm not sitting here thinking, oh, God, this matches this shows too long in part because of the shorter squash like matches that they're putting in there. That kind of breaks up the pace of the show and, and adds some chances to see wrestlers do their signature spots score big wins and get elevated where you're left wondering what if they face or what it would be like if they face somebody tougher so
0: lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky
1: lucky
2: And then Brock Lesnar smiled. We had humor <laughs> coming out of Paul Heyman, like a full-fledged old 1980s Paulie Dangerously performance from him that it's been, it feels like it's been forever since we've seen. So I, I like this show quite a bit.
5: Yeah, I, th- there, there's, there's something markedly different about about the, the way that this show is being handled as opposed to SmackDown, and a- as opposed to I think WWE the, the product as a whole in the last few years. I, I if if you told me that this was a show that uh, was if 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 I came into this show the, the last several weeks blind, not knowing that Paul Heyman was having having supposedly a, a heavy creative influence on the show, and you told me that this was strictly vince mcmahon's vision now i mean obviously at the end of the day the product is vince mcmahon's vision but if you were if you if you told me that this was a a strict vince mcmahon show I, i don't know that i would believe it based on uh everything that we've seen out of his booking philosophy in the last decade or so i i think that there's been that much of a dramatic shift uh and the thing is is that it's still unmistakably wwe I think if anything, in the last few weeks we've we've seen a reason for Vince McMahon to be confident that their vision can still be presented even if he is not uh, carrying the reins twenty four seven This is unmistakably wwe, but it's a much better version of wWE and what they've been able to present for the last several years
2: and part of it is just being able to recognize how to position. The talent that they have in a much better way than they previously had been for years uh, again I just I mean I, I look up and down I mean Randy Orton is being utilized better and more effectively than he has in a very long time AJ Styles he's had a good run this is also good this is a really good use of him at this stage of his career Drew McIntyre already complimented that um, you know Ricochet he, he needs to just be able to show off what he can do against kind of a bigger bully opponent and beat him in a short match and he did that effectively against Mojo. He's not being overpushed, but you're keeping him in you're keeping him in the mix so people go, "Oh yeah, I like his athleticism." And he's sort of waiting for that next thing to do. Um I st- I don't know what they're doing with Charlotte yet, so I just have to be patient. I don't know close <laughs> to feel about her. Um I-, I wish Sarah Logan got put up more of a fight upon her return, so that's a thumbs down for me. Uh but I'll keep watching. And yeah, I mean, uh, Brock and Heyman were more entertaining. We're seeing a lot of Brock. Uh B- Bobby Lashley is being utilized <laughs> in something <laughs> prominent. Um, I did enjoy him complaining to Lana. I already beat Rusev tonight. Now I got to beat him again. Um, and Lana just sort of being uh, d- domineering. Uh, a few people came to mind who Lana might be based on, based on their behind the scenes um, reputations. But I, I won't. I don't want to go there. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, you just roll through the show. I mean, Andrade and Ray. I mean, Ray has been one of the big success stories of the past couple months post Survivor Series and. Um, in terms of getting utilized so well. And Andrade, I think, is getting into are being used in a way that I think we all hoped they would after watching what they did in NXT. And oh, they're getting so much out of Eric Rowan. Um, Ke- Samoa Joe gets to be badass babyface Samoa Joe, which I always thought was a natural landing place for him. Big Show is a novelty legacy act in an, in an important role. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the only, I mean, Kevin Owens, I feel, is like maybe getting marginalized a little bit not being the alpha and sort of sharing space with with show who's casting a big shadow and joe who seems like a little bit stronger personality right now but i mean that's that's just guarded hesitant criticism if anything you know if if, if it's even criticism so yeah i mean again yeah this is the strength of are right now is the pace of the show and utilizing talent in a way that you're not frustrated and feel that they're being underutilized and not recognized for what their strengths are
5: Yeah, I think uh, I think one of the biggest one of the biggest things is that there there were three key things that I that I didn't particularly care for on this show, and and that was the Bobby Lashley and Rusev match, just just sort of the length of it. I thought it I thought it dragged, Uh, and then the uh, the the way that Charlotte is is being booked in general, and I think you could not so much that I disliked it, but I think you could make a case against putting our truth in the ring with Brock Lesnar in any real capacity. And I'm sure we'll get into that in in more detail, but here's the thing. Three segments like that on a three hour show could sink an average raw and, and has in the past. I mean, if this were an average show, like I think SmackDown is on a lot of occasions recently, we'd be talking most dominantly about those three segments and probably critiquing the show pretty negatively, but you can pretty easily forgive those little things when you, by and large, have a much better vision for the product overall, and by and large, a lot of good segments on a weekly basis. So yeah, those those three things were, were things that I didn't particularly care for, but the rest of the show is headed in enough of an upward trend that you know we, we'll touch upon them and we'll talk about them, but they're not dominating the conversation and they're not dominating my thoughts about the show, whereas... Whereas, you know not even a year ago they they would have been the talking point yeah
2: yep yeah it's, i think the truth involvement with lesnar is going to be polarizing i i enjoyed it um but i'm absolutely willing to listen to a case being made for why it, it wasn't the right thing at this time for lesnar the idea of of lesnar becoming 24 7 champion and, and just basically holding the title forever um, was a, a kind of intriguing to me, but it turned out he just didn't he just laughed at the belt and threw it back at truth he didn 't want it, which in a way did kind of send a message you know i'm obviously this title 's beneath me, sure and then it gave mojo a chance to get a little mojo back and uh, as, as such as that ever happens winning a twenty four seven title um, but now this was this was was this the first twenty four seven title change that did not happen with a roll up but actually involved violence
5: uh maybe the first one in months
2: yeah <laughs> yeah
5: first one i i can recall in a while I, for for sure
2: yeah so i found that news really i i got a kick out of of, of truth and i, I enjoyed lesnar i wouldn't say lesnar broke character but i think the idea was that lesnar cut that truth kind of got lesnar to break away from just being so stern um and and actually having a chance to show some personality and one of the things that i have noticed that struck me about watching nwa power and and the lesson that i took from it recently is everybody seems to be just having fun on that show without doing so in a way that undercuts the believability and intensity of the immersive environment that they create and the rivalries i mean you know i mean the the storm all this stuff is is fantastic but everybody seems to be having a good time and and i know there's some issues um, with that company and some of the things that have happened and, and been said by Cornette and all that uh, But but one thing I've taken from NWA Power, besides really thoroughly enjoying a lot of aspects of the show Is it's really fun to watch a wrestling show where it feels like people are having fun and to a degree ad-libbing sometimes um, And in NWA Power, there's a lot of ad-libbing There's a lot of people speaking in a way that feels like they're in a zone, but they're they're speaking extemporaneously knowing who what their character is and what the issues are they should speak about. And they have some talented talkers making that happen. And it's just amazing in 2020 talking about Ricky Morton adding, cutting good promos as a wrestler. Uh, but it's happening. And Raw has, this was a moment where it felt like Heyman and Lesnar had some fun. And Truth was kind of having fun out there. And some of the stuff Truth is doing and I think is growing kind of tired and stale and repetitive but I thought this was one of the, one of Truth's more effective um, comedic segments in the role that he's playing. And then, you know, in the end, Lesnar was still a bully and, and slammed him down after having some fun. So I, I'm, I'm at this moment a defender of that segment. I'm not trying to be uh, too, I don't want to be too, too open to criticism because I did enjoy it. But I'm willing to listen to some arguments from people who thought, um, you know, that, that it was bad for where they're going with Lesnar. But I, I'm not so sure about that.
5: Yeah, I, I sort of I sort of was indifferent watching it. I, I I thought you know there were times where I was like, yeah, okay. I, I mean, I usually get a kick out of out of most our truth segments, and I chuckle at at least at least a couple at least a couple of the things that he says. And and that was that was no different tonight. And I, I did enjoy Brock letting loose a little bit and having a laugh. Uh, I, I I the the one thing I wonder is is whether whether or not. Um, it's 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 smart to to mingle the twenty four seven title in any way with the with the serious main event level, but like you said, I mean Brock Brock did look at the belt and just essentially throw it down. Uh, I, I think I would definitely be pretty strongly against it had he opted to to pin Truth for to, to win the title, but I think showing you know that that the, the title is well beneath him and it's not really something that he was even interested in pursuing uh, makes is what sort of sort of keeps me uh on erring on the side of you know this was this was probably fine um and of the three things that i you know i said i disliked i mean really the 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 truth and and lesnar thing would be a distant distant number three
2: it crossed my mind um for lesnar to be truth for the belt and then kind of pull a cody there would be some liability issues here but then just throw it into the crowd you know just whip it in the crowd like cody does and if you can have if you can strategically toss it into the hands of like some fan who's not really a fan who then yeah. gets rolled up by truth or you know whatever i don't know um but I, I wasn't sure where they were going with it but i thought god lesnar in the ring with the 24 7 title where are they going to go with this and and i think they could have gone down a road that would have been slapsticky and, and undercut lesnar i think they stopped short of that
6: aloha torch faithful this is kelly wells host of pwt talks nxt Every Thursday you can hear me and my gang of idiots, Tom Staup, who shares thoughts from the live tapings, and Torch recapper Nate Lindbergh, as well as a rotating cast of guests, cover the matches and events in NXT live on USA Network. Search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or your podcast app to subscribe, or listen on demand and see the entire PW Torch Daily Cast schedule at pwtorchdailycast.com.
0: Cheers!
3: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life.
4: No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
2: Let's uh, let's pause, introduce ourselves, and give out the phone number so we can get some callers here um, or get some calls in here. This is the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show for Monday, January thirteenth, two 2020. I'm Wade Keller, host of the program, and I'm joined by Brandon LeClaire from PWTorch.com. He covers WWE Friday Night Smackdown every Friday night as an alt-perspective reporter. So check out his reports with analysis and a detailed rundown of what happens every Friday on Smackdown, right alongside my reports on Smackdown every Friday at PWTorch.com. I'm Brandon, welcome to the show.
5: Thanks for having me. Glad to uh, glad to be here. This is my first uh, first Raw in a while. I've been doing Smackdown lately, so...
2: Yeah, yeah, good to have you on, and, and we got a lot to talk about. Let's give out the phone numbers and invite uh, conversation with our listeners, 347-215-8558. If you're listening to us live at about 11.26 p.m. on Monday night, give us a call. Um, you're invited to do so every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday night. You can always find links to the live stream of our post shows at pwtorch.com in my TV reports on Raw AEW Dynamite. someday we'll also do NXT and USA, and then Friday nights for SmackDown. You can also almost always find a link and the phone number to call on our Twitter account near the end of the show at PW Torch. It just depends on whether I remember, which almost always I do, at um, PW Torch. So um, that's another good way to find our stream. We got a lot of you who have called up, and a couple of you ready to talk to us. If you want to join them, push one on your keypad. If you are uh, someone who's already called into the show. And you'll be next in line or you're invited to call and push one on your keypad to uh, to get in line to talk about tonight's show. Do you think we're overrating Raw uh, or are you enjoying it as much as I have been lately? And where do you think they're going with some uh, some key personalities? Uh, we haven't talked about Becky and Oska yet. And I know we've got an email on that. We also have an email on uh, Drew McIntyre and uh, Brock Lesnar. So you can uh, add to the mailbag. Wade Keller podcast at pwtorch.com if you're interested in contributing to the show but not interested or able to give us a call live. That's Wade Keller podcast at pwtorch.com. All right, let's uh let's take our first phone call from area code 305 and then on deck 443. And again, you can be right after that if you push 1 on your keypad or give us a call. Three oh five. I think some people are watching some other some sporting event, but I thought football season was over when the Vikings lost Saturday. Brandon.
5: <laughs> uh. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I mean, I'm there. I'm there with you as 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 a Ravens fan. Oh, uh, I, it, it, things things ended for me as well. Uh, unfortunately, it was a it was a rough weekend.
2: Being a favorite in losing, and I've been there. I was yeah. in the dome for the fifteen and one Vikings losing to Atlanta because of a missed field goal late in the game. After infamously chanting Super Bowl uh, a few minutes before <laughs> Gary Anderson took the field and missed back in 98, I was a season ticket holder with the Vikings for years. I know what it's like to lose as a favorite, and that stings more than you know upsetting the Saints and then losing to, frankly, a better team like happened oh, with the Vikings sure. on Saturday. So, you know, you always hope for an upset, as, as the Texans fans did
5: for about uh, a quarter and a half. Um, that was amazing. Wow yeah crazy i mean a crazy uh crazy weekend of uh of football again the playoffs have been a lot of fun this year uh and usually usually we get at least one weekend of stinkers and and that yeah. hasn't been the case uh so hopefully championship weekend doesn't disappoint but uh this final quarter of the national championship game is shaping up to be uh exciting too so i'm guessing a lot of people are probably uh probably still tuning into that
2: Yeah, makes sense. But we do have three hundred five on with us now. So uh, go ahead, three hundred five. State your name and where you're calling from.
6: There was a football season this year.
2: (laughs) From a Miami Dolphins fan.
6: Uh, Javier from. (laughs) Hey Javier. (laughs) Javier from Hialeah. Yes. Has it? uh, Has uh,
2: When's the last time the uh, the the beloved uh, Dolphins made made your made the playoffs? I don't remember. Okay. And you're you have a good memory. One
6: season. I, I know there was a season like a while ago, uh, but yeah, it, it's been a while. I mean, yeah. it's at been a long that, time since we've had. At least,
5: at least, uh, <laughs> oh, at least Adam Gase optimism. isn't your coach anymore. I have
6: optimism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I have optimism for the future. I mean, uh, the, the the how how the season started by the way that it ended was you know that I I do think that he should be coach of the year just for you know turning what they had into a you know, a team that was able to win a few games uh, uh, when, you know, the word historically bad was being thrown around, like, you know, by the fourth game of the season. Yes,
2: yes. All right, well, we have contractually reached the end of the allowance on uh, <laughs> podcasting to talk about the Dolphins, Javier, so we need to move on. What do you think of Ra? <laughs>
6: um, back in October, I said that if things don't turn around, uh, I was giving them until pretty much the Royal Rumble and at that point i had no idea that i think on the weekly the shows i watch weekly i think that raw has been my most like the one i look forward to the most
2: wow right now yeah i don't blame you i mean i I can i can i think you can make a case for that with the quality of wrestling the production values the booking the utilization of characters and i mean ever all all the shows have their ups and downs you know their highs and lows but I can understand somebody watching Raw these last, uh, you know, almost two months now and, and, you know, last, I don't know, six, seven, eight weeks and just being like, yeah, that's my show now.
6: Yeah, uh, and the star power. You know, I, I think yes, that's what absolutely. edges it out just a little bit Yep, over NXT, just to, I mean, by a tiny, tiny bit.
2: But, um, I mean, it is. Well, all I, it is an, I do think. It's an all-star cast. I mean, I, I, I've been using that term, but, I mean, it. <laughs> You know, I mean, Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman uh, and Heyman doing his mic work and Samoa Joe and Kevin Owens and Rey Mysterio and Randy Orton all being utilized really well as baby faces and Drew McIntyre with whatever they're doing with him and Seth Rollins getting rejuvenated and AOP and Andrade, I mean, and Andrade, it, it, and Alistair Black and, and Buddy Murphy and what they've been doing and on and on. I mean, it really it is a really good roster and that hasn't always guaranteed good shows, but those two things are coming together.
5: Yeah, I, I I mentioned earlier you know the, thinking that this was uh, this was sort of unmistakably WWE's vision but a good version of it and and to me I think that you know analysts of, of the product and, and people who follow closely always always kind of get the reputation for for being overly critical of WWE and and rightfully so on occasion but I, I think the product more or less has warranted that that type of criticism over the last decade or so and and I am them always have been and continue to be a big fan of wwe's overall vision for pro wrestling when it's executed well and by and large i don't think it has been for the better part of of again the last decade or more and and this is a good version this is a good version of their vision so yeah it's been it's been really enjoyable
0: In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play
1: for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Yeah, go ahead, Javier. Any, uh, anything else specifically about Rob? Yeah. I mean, yeah.
6: Well, I, I don't want well, you know, to, you know, some people criticize, like, oh, you're overselling it. And I'm, uh, I, I do want to say that the, it, there's, this is not like the uh, Stone Cold era. Right, but I think that with the you know, with you know, they have laid the field where someone like that can can rise. Because when you do stuff, you know, when you set up a good, you know, a good tableau, then that's when someone like a Stone Cold can, you know, emerge from that. So, and and I think that's that's why I think I'm like most excited is because you know, the, the you know, they're getting some of the stuff right, you know um specifically uh I, I think drew has become one of my favorites right now with what you know uh with what he's been doing just the uh, how how light he's been uh how you know how, how personable he's been you know away from that you know i'm going to eviscerate you kind of thing
5: yeah yeah uh, brandon what do you think of what they're doing with drew yeah Drew McIntyre has been one of my favorite guys on the roster for a while, and I, I was really disappointed with how he was handled uh, d- when he was taken off TV for a while, came back and was just kind of you know there, uh, not really doing much of anything. I, I didn't care for his whole run as, as Shane McMahon's lackey. I thought that since coming to the main roster, he's been pretty grossly misutilized given given his size and his ability uh, and his athleticism for his size. Uh, this is this is the best version of Drew McIntyre we've seen on the main roster, and because of the way that the uh, the show has been going, I'm I'm hopeful that the the upward trend continues.
2: Yeah, I I agree. Um, I'm really curious to see how, not only where they go with him, but if they're sort of feeling their way through to see how the fans react to him, and if this Mm. almost isn't a genuine test to see, do we want to go all in with him as a face, or is it not is it not catching on so gaining traction so we kind of want to go back to him being more of a heel you know maybe maybe there's some flexibility built in here but he does seem other than Jerry Lawler making him his pick to win the Rumble um, Drew seems like a a good bet to be uh, you know a top two three four candidate to win the Rumble
5: and, and the thing is, is that he's so good at both. He's so good at, at, at playing the heel and the babyface. Uh, the, the one problem that that they do run into with him in the babyface role is a lot of the a lot of the guys are just a lot of the guys he faces are just smaller than him, just because of his size. So naturally, he probably slots in a little bit better as a heel. But uh, there are a few guys that that can really fire up and deliver a really genuine babyface promo the way that drew Ken in the last few years without seeming, uh, too affected or, or too, um, too like sort of overbearing or, or, or mushy. Like he, he's just, he's just very, very good at walking that line. And, uh, I, 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 mean, either, either way, like I just have a lot of faith in, in that guy. If he's allowed to, to kind of shine. Yep. Uh Javier anything else?
6: Uh uh you want me to give you the uh, translation for Ray and uh Andrade?
2: Yeah, yeah, w- I would I actually thought he when they were doing that.
6: Yeah, the um uh at first uh Andrade uh called uh, uh Raya which is uh, kind of like a small-time crook uh petty thief kind of thing. Uh then he says uh, I'm going to retain my championship because it is mine and I'm then going to retire Ray Mysterio. Okay. Uh, hmm. And then when great Mysterio says, I, I am no criminal, and who are you uh, to say whether I am worthy to represent my people? I re- I represent my Latin people with my heart and with much honor. Cool, so cool. That, that was the, uh, yeah. About- a, I, I, and, and he really is doing, I, I'm amazed at the promo work that he's been doing, and it's it's yes. it's really sad all those years that they just kept interrupting him.
3: No. <laughs> um,
6: although I do, have, I do have to say, um, on my end, I, I think they're getting a little bit close to pandering. I mean, I like the stuff they're doing, but just, you know, I kind of wish they just toned it back just a little bit. But, in what? Uh, in what
2: respect? But yeah, I mean, the stuff they're doing is awesome. Huh? In what respect are they pandering?
6: Well, well, just oh, he's kind of overselling the whole. You know, I'm representing the Latin. You know, like that, the, yeah. the, the battle for the for the Latin soul kind yeah, of thing. Uh, yeah. that, that's coming a little bit. You know, just like how they keep. It's the same notes being hit, so that's kind of like I'm like, okay, come on, let's you know, let's make this a little bit more than you know, the, the fate of the Latin people uh, are <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> resting on our, soul, on our, on our shoulders.
2: Yeah. it's funny that crossed my mind a little bit watching. I mean, I've, I've you know really been enjoying enjoying this, but yeah, it can it can. It, I was wondering if it was just going, they're laying on that a little too hard instead of, you know, just letting Andrade and Ray be two wrestlers who also are feuding and have that be an aspect but yeah like you said not not overplaying that hand and uh yeah i, I get what you're saying
6: yeah th- this promo specifically this was one of the one that felt like it, it started tilting over to that to that uh to that to that other extreme so yeah, yeah that okay. was the. Uh...
2: i think that's fair to keep an eye on javier what's your vote for uh r-truth and lesnar and hayman thumbs up middle down mixed not sure
6: um no i mean i i like most of the segment um uh... Uh, there, I, had, I, I had two thoughts while it was going on. The first one was when he took down our truth. I'm like, and he picked up the mic. I'm like, is he going to tell Paul Heyman to come in here and pin him, so that then Heyman becomes 24/7 champion, and that, that's kind of like the way they retire the belt? <laughs> um, yeah. That that was my, yeah. So that, that was my first thought. Uh, my second thought was like, it, it was a cool segment, but just him taking out. I I I, I thought when he started like dancing, he should have just like. Punched him in the in the nuts and then like ran away. You know, because I I thought it was you know it, it 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 kind of felt demeaning to Truth. You know, just yeah. the way that he just took him out. So yeah. you know, it, it flashed back to to Kofi. I mean, I I, th- I thought that I I thought it would have ended up better in my opinion that uh, if if Lesnar put a little bit of ass there, and you know he you, you know Truth would get away and then just Les, Lesnar's feeling, I, mean, I thought that would have been a better a better end to that segment than, you know, he just takes out truth and then
2: be done with it. Yeah, yeah, cool. All right, uh, thanks, Javier. Always good to hear from you. All right,
6: uh, have a good one, guys. Take it easy. Sounds good, uh, yeah. Off to watch Hard to Kill. I haven't seen that yet.
2: Oh, cool. <laughs> you, we'll we look forward to your hits and misses on it.
6: Yeah, probably tomorrow.
2: Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> take it yeah. easy, guys. Yep, take way. it easy. Check out <laughs> Javier's uh, Hits and Misses column on Impact every week at pwtorch.com.
6: Every Sunday night, catch Wrestling Night in America on PWTorchDailyCast.com, hosted by me, PW Torch columnist Greg Parks. Each week, I'll welcome a co-host from the Torch family to discuss the big shows in pro wrestling, taking your calls and emails. You can listen live most weeks beginning at 8 p.m. Eastern.
4: No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus
2: terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, so I did something I almost never do. I turned on college football. <laughs> and and there was a pass, and it was a long pass, and somebody caught it. And I was like, wow, okay, this is, this is pretty good. Um, but I am so confused as a lifelong Viking fan and Packer hater. Because from a distance, LSU looks like... They're wearing Packer uniforms. (laughs) Up close, it looks like they've got a Packer helmet and Packer (laughs) pants, but a Vikings home jersey. And then I look in the crowd, and there's a bunch of people wearing purple, cheering a team that looks like the Green Bay Packers scoring. I am completely confused. It's like (laughs) the Packers and Vikings just merge their uniforms. They merge teams. If they were to ever merge franchises, that's the uniform color scheme, and it's freaking me out. (laughs) All
5: right. Yeah, well, I I don't know what to tell you.
2: <laughs> you don't have to say anything. I'm just <laughs> m- making an observation. All right, so uh, if you want to give us a call, uh, 347-215-8558 and push one on your keypad, if you got thoughts on tonight's Raw, uh, we got an on-site correspondent, Lexington, Kentucky. Lexington, by the way, they didn't say that, I don't think, once on Raw. Did you hear that, Brandon? Uh, nope, they were pushing
5: the University of Kentucky pretty hard.
2: In the historic Rupp Arena yeah um yep and they're on campus, but they avoided lexington um so yeah, but I mean they at least they said University of Kentucky and
5: acknowledged where they were um they like- got a couple different shots of the building that they usually that you don't see very often too. You, they they took that you know how they usually take like sort of the uh, the angled shot from the upper deck. Uh, yeah. Sort of like they they went for a they went for a like a straight ahead uh, yes. upper deck, like looking at the stage, which is kind of neat. You got to see the uh, the layout on the floor a little bit better. They did
2: not do like the the postcard shots. I mean, because they've got yeah. Lexington has a nice downtown and an opera house, some cool architecture. Um, I mean, there's some things they could have. Done to show a little slideshow to show they're proud to be in Lexington area, but we didn't get that. But at least not unless I fast-forwarded past it during a commercial.
5: They, I, 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 do not believe that they did it. I, I you know, I it, just do it for everybody or don't do it. I, I yeah. know it's like the it's. I know it's the arrogance thing, but like uh, it, it's it's so strange. I, I mean, like. <laughs> Uh, wh- why be that arrogant about visiting other parts of the country that that aren't a markets? I mean, the biggest bands and and artists in the world do B tours. Yeah, I mean, like that that it's just it's it's crazy. <laughs> it's it's fifty two weeks out of the year they should be
2: celebrating. We go to the big cities and we bring and if you're not in a big city, we bring raw to your town and we draw huge crowds. Everywhere we go, and then show a scene of a uh, proudly of fans walking through downtown Lexington or on campus to the to the venue, whatever city they're in, and and just really uh, embrace that WWE. Unlike a lot of sh- a lot of pro sports, who only you know you got whatever thirty two yeah. teams in the NFL, other than Green Bay, they're all major markets. That's not a dig, That's just a population fact. Obviously, it represents Milwaukee, uh, the big city, but it's it's a big you know Jacksonville's not huge, but I mean like there's thirty two teams and. Th- raw goes everywhere and i mean that could be such a selling point and 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 instead they're just so small and insecure about being in smaller markets and i i mean
5: and and and, i mean if you if you really what what's the difference you if you have a full building in lexicon lexington kentucky or you have a full building in boston or new york you have a full building celebrate it i I mean I, i just it's it's just it's so strange it's such a weird hang up
2: it's almost as strange as all these Viking and Packer fans cheering together in the crowd right now.
5: <laughs> Seriously, the
2: quarterback with his helmet off—it looks like he's a Minnesota Viking wearing a Viking jersey. It's just, just, but then nope, nope, it's a Packers now on the field. So you're
5: okay. So you're so you're you're seeing uh, you're seeing Packers Packers pants and Viking away jerseys. So that's that's what you're.
2: Yeah, yeah. The white okay, the white yeah, jerseys yeah, yeah. are are that, yeah. but the helmet and the pants are Packers. Right, right. And right, then. Yep. When the helmet's off, it totally looks like a Viking thing because their their colors are purple and gold. And then the crowd, it's like a bunch of Packer and Viking fans celebrating together, which is blowing (laughs) my mind.
5: Well, (laughs) this this, this is even – it's an even stranger situation because uh, I don't believe this has ever happened, but this is a home game for LSU. The national championship is technically played on neutral territory, but it just happens to be in the Superdome. So – uh, well, yeah, it's an interesting, like, like what almost happened with your Vikings a, a few years yes, ago. Yes, well, they would have been the first ones.
2: Two years ago, the Minneapolis Miracle, and it was destiny, and then the Eagles just blew us out. <laughs> <sighs> All right, um, enough bad memories.
4: Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered com. It's
5: my little escape.
4: Now, Judy's the life of the party.
5: Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon.
4: Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes.
3: Ch-ch-chumba.
4: ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for
2: details. Let's go to 443 next. 443. Go ahead and state your name and where you're calling from. Hey,
7: it it's Kyle from Maryland. How are you doing?
2: I'm uh, doing good, Kyle. Thanks for calling. Uh, what did you think of Rob? What stood up?
7: Um, that was, yeah, that was really good. Um, I really t- want to talk about, um, the Becky Oscar, uh, project signing promo. Oh, good, yeah, yeah. Um, I, w- um, I like, like, even with Miss in her eyes, she still has the greatest promo ever. And <laughs> I thought that, you know, she's just so, it you doesn't, know, for Becky, just wants to really, be so desperate and really convinced that she can defeat and wants to have Oscar in, in the past to let defeat her and move on. I thought that promo that she cut, with her eyes shut, it was just great. I did the that. Well,
2: yeah, we haven't talked a lot about the Becky Oscar thing. I am on the whole a fan of this storyline with Becky. I like the uh, I like the idea that she needs this win. And I wrote this in my report at PWtorch.com that if you're a Becky Lynch fan, you are it 's like nFL playoffs you're going to be so you you realize how important to win is to Becky, but you also are scared of what happens if she loses and what does it mean to her and does she just break down? does she lose her confidence does she snap like what's going to happen if she loses? But if she wins, it's going to be so. It's just going to be this glorious moment for her because she is selling the idea that beating Oscar is so important to her. And then you know we're kind of hearing her inner thoughts about you know th- th- she talked again about the the money and the fame and how it can you know it can lead to some distortions in in your values. And I think people who experience fame and success do end up having those 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 those. uh the inner conflict at times over that and I think it's you know I think it's effective and you know she ended that just going you know may the best woman win and and was being a good sport about it and Oscar you know then blew the mist in her face and so it was a very sharp you know face heel uh dynamic but yeah I liked I, I just again i I thought this was well done uh Brandon what do you think
5: yeah they they've they've got themselves a confluence of of great circumstances with this angle because you have a situation where you have a beloved babyface champion who has a challenger who she has not beaten in the past and that that's very rare because wwe is notorious for 50 50 booking and all of their feuds so very rarely do you get a rivalry where one person has not at some point beat the other person so they've got that number one number two they didn't at some point in the last year go back to the match on free tv and give away a becky lynch victory which they've done many times in the past where they've taken a feud that was hot where one person got the better of the other person, and then six months later, it's thrown on Raw or on SmackDown as a throwaway match. The other person gets their win and we move on like nothing ever happened. They never did that, and they never gave Becky the win back when they were feuding. So you get this excellent setup where they can not only acknowledge history, but they can bring in, they can they can actually bring their own history into a current angle, which is something that they're very, very rarely able to do because they overwrite it and, and pretty much ignore it uh, on, a, on a regular basis and like to pretend that many things just simply didn't happen so <laughs> you've got the this great confluence of circumstances for this feud and I think that they've handled it quite excellently um, I, I, I would have I, I know that in all likelihood, they probably have a bigger plan for Becky Lynch going into WrestleMania. Uh, but I, I would have liked to have seen this be the WrestleMania match. They've uh, they they yeah. they've been telling this story for for over a year, and whether it was in the cards and they planned it all along or whether it was just luck and happenstance that got them there, they've got a really big match on their hands. And I think the way that Becky has sold it, it's come off as a big fight feel. This feels like the biggest match that the women's division has had since, uh, I, I I guess probably WrestleMania last year. And, and I'm
2: enjoying. I mean, and, and I agree with you. Yeah, and I'm enjoying Oscar in her just really obnoxious demeanor now. I mean, I, I, um, you know her 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 posture and her body language during the contract signing, like that kid who sits in the back row and just can't be bothered to to pay attention or study or anything. Um, the too cool for school And then, you know, uh, Becky being a good sport And then, you know, just the, the gloating I mean, you want to see Asuka lose I mean, you really want to see her lose if you're just the average viewer out there
5: And and she seems dangerous again yeah Asuka, Asuka. Yeah. Was was sort of uh, taken down several pegs over the last over the last year and and has sort of just been kind of, you know, waiting around and in the pool with everyone else in the tag division. Uh, But she seems dangerous. She seems hungry, motivated and seems like, you know, Becky, Becky as the champion feels like the underdog. Yeah. And and, I mean, that that's that's a great story to tell.
2: Yes. Uh, Kyle, anything else quick before I let you go?
7: Um, yeah. Um, so, um, I was thinking, like, do you, do you think there should be or could be a their um, the, the the women can have their own intercontinental or U.S. championships since they have the tag team titles because all the other women are who are there, like Leth Morgan and and like Sarah Logan stuff like that have doing separate stuff. Do you think they can have their own championship at some point, or do not think they don't just, no, yeah, you no, know, whatever?
2: No, yeah. definitely not. <laughs> and I mean, there are three women singles titles, one on each of the brands, and I think that has watered yeah. things down enough. Um, so, no, I, I mean, a, a hard no to that.
7: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and 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 um, I guess for uh, Seth Rollins and that whole ending. I really didn't really see that coming with Buddy Murphy. Yeah. I mean, being a part of um part of part of the group now, guess this would be a whole new... This whole faction, at thought, of is is um, is is trying to build here. I don't know where where where, where that's going, but it's really cool. I'm interested in it with it. It's really cool that Buddy Murphy's a part of it now. To see after after his loss to Buddy Murphy, all the matches that he had with, with him, and so with this, it's going to be really cool and interesting. And I'm looking forward to see what happens with with these four.
2: All right, cool. Kyle, thank you. Appreciate it. Good day for me. Okay, yeah.
7: Wait,
5: can you uh, can you think of uh, the last time I've, I've been kind of thinking about this off and on? Can you think of the last time that someone on the WWE roster went on some type of losing streak or or got beat definitively in an angle and then immediately was was greatly benefited by 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 the by the losses and what they did in the immediate aftermath?
2: I mean, I suspect there's an example out there. I'm if sure I,
5: there is. I, yeah. I just can't think of one in, in recent memory at all because they're just so bad at it. Yeah. I mean, they've just been so bad at, at handling people who they who who come out on the losing end of feuds. I think that's why I've enjoyed this as much as I have. I, I mean, to think that Buddy Murphy kind of I mean, coming into this this situation, Aleister Black looked to be, you know, three, four notches above Buddy Murphy on the totem pole and not to say black was even that high it's just that that's sort of how low murphy was and by the time this was over i came out feeling like black went up a peg or two and murphy met him i mean and and he lost all three matches yeah uh it's it's been a it's been a great angle anchored by excellent excellent matches
2: yeah all right cool well we got some more uh, some emails to get to and we're going to break away talk to our site correspondent who just emailed a few minutes ago and said he is ready for us we'll find out what it was like in the building on campus at the university of kentucky and uh if you are listening and want to contribute to the show you still can wade keller podcast at pwtorch.com uh so we'll be back right after this with our in-person report
0: searching for more great pro wrestling talk Then join me, Jason Powell, host of the free weekly Pro Wrestling Boom podcast. Each week, you'll hear the latest news and analysis from me and my team at ProWrestling.net along with other Pro Wrestling Media members. Plus, the Pro Wrestling Boom podcast features long-form interviews with notable names in the pro wrestling industry. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, and all your favorite secondary apps, or visit us directly at PWBoom.com. Once again, that's PWBoom.com.
2: All right, we are back with our on-site correspondent who attended at the University of Kentucky. Uh, Jonah, can you confirm for us our speculation, and this is pure speculation, that the event took place in Lexington, Kentucky, tonight?
8: <laughs> well, you might not know it from from what WWE put forward, but yes, it was in Lexington, and actually it was not on the campus of University of Kentucky. Rock is about... Three or four blocks away from the campus, but it's not actually on campus. But I guess that's what we're
2: known for. So, wow! So they lied to us constantly throughout the show. <laughs> Sounds like it. Uh, yeah, Any, just anything
5: to avoid saying Lexington. Apparently,
2: that's so weird. All right. Uh, so they showed the they yeah.
5: showed the graphic with the UK and the campus, and there were a couple of
8: downtown scenes, but I noticed they never actually used the word Lexington, so yeah. Yeah. I guess we're not, not a
2: big enough market yet. <laughs> nope, nope, they're not. Uh, so, uh, talk about how big the crowd was tonight at Rupp Arena. Uh,
8: yeah, I think the... I mean, the crowd was... I mean, it was it was pretty full in there. The, um, the hard camera was uh, empty and the upper deck was uh, tarped off, but everything that um, was available as far as seats was um, pretty much full. Um, I had bought tickets uh just a few days ago i wasn't sure if i was going to go and then i watched last week's raw i saw that they were advertising lesnar and uh big show coming back and the uh um uh, the buddy murphy alistair black match so i bought tickets and when i did there were there were still uh, a few peppered here and there but overall i mean it was a pretty full arena
2: and uh how, how what kind of energy did they bring and enthusiasm towards the, the ongoing storylines and the wrestlers
8: uh, well, honestly, I think it's not, not that much different from a lot of, uh, a lot of other, uh, markets that, that get shows like this once a year. I mean, it was pretty hot starting out. Um, people were excited to see Lesnar. People were excited to see the big stars like Orton. Um, but it's just, uh, three hours. is just, uh, it's just brutal. Even when you've got, um, uh, things to look forward to and they advertise the, uh, fist fight. I'm not, I'm not sure if, if you can really call it that, but no. they advertise that throughout the night. So. People were looking forward to it, but it's just three hours is a long time, and, and I think by uh, about the two-hour mark, uh, the crowd was just kind of tired. But um, but it was it was still a pretty good crowd. There were a lot of entertaining moments throughout the show. Uh,
2: so what happened before Raw went on the air, if you got there in time to see it?
8: Uh, yeah, so I, I missed the first dark match, but I could hear that it was uh, uh, Cedric Alexander that won, and then the uh, second dark match was uh, Shelton Benjamin going over on, Akira Tozawa and this was actually surprisingly uh kind of a rough match or a few botch spots that they kept trying to repeat and they kept missing and uh just kind of kind of sloppy for the two of them considering how talented they are in the ring uh but then uh, we went straight to the show and um I think I think the show started with with Randy Orton and it was uh it was a uh pretty good pop for him
2: uh, uh brandon do you want to uh ask some questions about the actual raw uh telecast
5: yeah just curious about uh about the alistair black buddy murphy match uh it was it was pretty late in the show it seemed like the crowd might have been a little quiet for some of it and i just wanted to see if you uh you kind of had a gauge as to how well those guys are kind of catching on in markets you know kind of middle america markets like that uh or if it was just kind of a matter of uh it, it being that late in the show people were tired I think
8: it was like 95% just being late in the show because throughout the show, during the commercial breaks, people kept talking about the uh, Aleister Black, Buddy Murphy match. People were kind of uh, whispering in the crowd, looking forward to that match tonight, even more than the, the main event. So I think people were really looking forward to it. And then when the match was going on, people were really trying to get into it, but you could tell like people were yelling from their seats as opposed to up and down, standing mm-hmm. up and down. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, those guys... I mean, they both uh, Aleister black is incredible to see live. And I mean, everything that he does is, is snug. Everything that he does is, uh, is believable. Uh, I mean, he sounds off on every kick <laughs> and it's, I mean, it, he, he takes a crowd that's tired and, and dead and, and gets them at least paying attention and buddy Murphy. I mean, he sells like, like no other right now. So, I mean, I think they did everything they could. It was just, uh, uh, just late in the show. And, um, it wasn't really a show with a lot of downtime. There weren't really a lot of spots where you could you know, go to the restroom or go get food. It was kind of mm-hmm. uh, up, 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 and, and we knew that there were certain things that we were looking forward to. We were waiting for Lesnar, waiting for uh, the contract signing, which we didn't know about until the show started. Uh, so I, I think people just stayed in their seats the entire time, but by the time we got to the, the Murphy-Black match, it was just, uh, just people starting to wind down.
5: Yeah, I kind of had the same feeling about uh, the 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 Rusev uh, Rusev Lashley match too. It, it it's feeling to me more and more on a weekly basis like the there's some interest in that angle as a whole, but that people don't really care to see the two of them wrestle in in, in any real capacity. So if you could just talk about kind of kind of the reaction to that match and and kind of the vibe you got from the from the from the arena.
8: Actually, I actually took some notes tonight, and that was one of the notes that I made because at the beginning of the show, I don't, I don't know if you all got to see this on the on the broadcast, but they did a they they did like a, a rundown of graphics for all the things that we would see tonight: the contract signing, Brock Lesnar, the match, the fist fight, um, and when and I think the the Lashley Rusev uh, graphic was one of the last ones, and the crowd had, had had been cheering each thing, and it was almost like a crescendo, and then they got to that. And it kind of went down uh, and it kind of felt like what we keep hearing that the live crowds are just not into, into this segment, but the the ratings are good for it. It was kind of like that here. Um, I I mean, people were kind of into Lana and and heckling her and stuff, but um, it just wasn't that exciting of a match. Wasn't one that we were looking forward to. Um, And and I thought that they had advertised that Liv Morgan was going to be out with Rusev, but then she didn't come out with him. So everyone just kind of kept waiting for her, And they kind of knew there was no finish until she came out. Um, so she finally did. The crowd kind of got back into it and started paying a little bit more attention. But uh, I think it's just another one of those things where um, <laughs> the segments are interesting to watch, whether you find them entertaining or not. But the matches just, uh, <laughs> at least for me, they don't really do it for me.
5: Yeah, definitely. I, I'm curious as to as to how that that's going to go. Like on YouTube, for example, we know that the these these Rusev and and Lashley Lana segments have have been doing big numbers on on you know streaming platforms and whatnot. But I can't imagine that those people that are really excited about those segments are going to turn around to tune into you know a 12 15 minute TV match between Rusev and Lashley that certainly by no means set the world on fire. It, it's it's kind of an interesting situation where because it's a pro wrestling program these angles have to translate into matches at some point but the the audience that they're that they're really entertaining with this angle is not really interested in the match and the people that are there for the wrestling aren't really interested in seeing these two wrestle so it's it's tough it's tough when they do a storyline that's
2: built around Trying to bring in fans who don't like wrestling mm-hmm. and expect because there's a non a series of non wrestling segments that they're intrigued by or interested in on a peripheral level that somehow they're then going to want to sit through a 13 minute like wrestling match and become wrestling fans. I I just don't know that. that I just don't think that happens. Yeah,
8: that that's kind of what it felt like, um, and I could tell that this was going to be a. Uh... Uh, a match that felt like it was going at least two segments. I, I couldn't really tell how many it went. There were there were some slower points but I, I guess I noticed from watching uh Lashley and Rusev and then just a few minutes later watching uh Black and Murphy. It just felt like I mean two younger, hungrier guys that, that were just uh even though it's a I, I guess a match on Raw it has no consequences or anything, no bearings on anything, nothing's on the line. But just felt like uh, the the Black and Murphy match and all of those matches have just been you know, two guys that are really trying to put on a show and entertain the crowd, and um, you know,
2: give it their all. And I felt like with
8: Rusev and Lashley, uh, it was just whatever the opposite is. That's that's kind of what that match felt like.
2: Um, how about the, uh, the the contract signing with Becky and Oscar relative to the other star reactions? How do you compare Becky and and what happened there to some of the other uh, big male stars?
8: Uh she got a good reaction but it wasn't it wasn't memorable. It wasn't noteworthy. Um, it wasn't bigger than Lesnar or um really even bigger than the big show uh when he came out. Uh he got a, a really good reaction. Um he got one even on the, the, the backstage segment that they did. Uh the the begging segment was okay. Um where I was sitting I was kind of uh they had their, their backs to me, but the the I guess the thing I would say about it is it felt like it was going to be a longer segment. So uh, after she sprayed the mist in, in Becky's eyes, we could kind of look up and see that, that they hadn't on the camera. So we kind of t- knew something more was coming. Um, and we kind of saw them pushing a microphone into that huddle of, of referees that were attending to Becky. <laughs> But for me, the believability of this, I mean, you were just, you know, face-to-face with this person that you're getting ready to fight and you've got this, this blood feud that you're you're developing. And she spits this mist in your face and she and Becky was kind of screaming and selling it like really burned her eyes. They were pouring water in her eyes from ringside. And then she gives this weird monologue that was clearly um, pre written and rehearsed. It was like that's that's just not what anyone would say right after, you know, someone <laughs> their mortal enemy blows mist in their face. And just kind of took a lot of the crowd out of it. There were still some, some folks that were cheering for her, but uh, it just I think I lost uh, a lot of uh, believability and credibility for that segment when she started talking as if <laughs> the last five minutes just hadn't happened.
2: I, I want to insert some breaking news. Javier did email and say that our truth and Lawler both did mention Lexington. Um, so, oh. I no, I, I, I did not hear that. Oh, I'm sure I heard it. I just didn't remember it. I was focused more on, you know, the announcers when they're talking about the city, you know, Vic Joseph and that um, at the beginning and, and then in the graphics. But apparently it slipped by me, and, and I, I'm going to believe Javier here, even though it is I, – I, I would still consider it unconfirmed until I hear it with my ears. Oh, but okay. but c- credit to you. Do you remember our truth saying it during the promo?
8: I do not remember. Oh, yes, he did. He did say it when he he was going through the. I guess the name of the twenty four seven title. Oh, uh, he got it the, on the way to Lexington. Oh, right. That's it. Yeah,
2: yeah. Okay, he did say that. No, now I consider right. it confirmed. Yes, now it's confirmed. They and I
8: think I think <laughs> Drew shouted out at least Kentucky. I don't know if he said Lexington, but he did ask kentucky if they wanted the, them to keep talking or to fight i
2: think it was uh, just kentucky uh because i was thinking that's like it. that's a sign of him going babyface is that he gets to say the name of the city in a non derisive yeah. way um although it was in, in the case i was thinking but he said the state not the city so um so yeah yeah so I, anyway i mean to be to be, yeah. to be Can fair I say about, about that me.
8: segment um I, I wanted to mention that um that was a good a good pop for him a good moment to sort of bring the crowd back but if you remember when Orton and AJ were talking before Drew came out. Uh, AJ said that he was going to, I guess, do something in the Rumble to everyone. And then he said, including Brock Lesnar, at that moment, the entire arena jumped up because they were expecting Brock to come out. <laughs> and then when Drew's music oh. hit, um, it was a, like a noticeable, like, uh <laughs> Oh,
5: interesting. But,
8: uh. I mean, he he did good. He brought the crowd back. But I, I I thought the timing of bringing him out right in at that moment was kind of uh, questionable for by WWE.
2: That's interesting. A lesson lesson learned hopefully. Um yeah. uh,
5: Brandon, what were you going to say in fairness? Uh, uh I was just going to say to be fair uh both uh both King and and truth would be on my list of people that may let the city slip without express approval from Vince McMahon. So <laughs> Yeah. I- <laughs> yeah. Agreed.
2: Um, going back to Drew for a second, though, besides kind of the, 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 the crowd, you know, expecting something and getting something else. How did he do in the match with Randy and AJ in terms of obviously Randy's a babyface, AJ is a heel who has a lot of respect from the fans. Where did the reaction to Drew fit in both in terms of intensity and did they just sort of flip? If he's beating up AJ, they cheered. If he's beating up Randy, they booed. Or were, what was the trend with him? Because I'm still intrigued with what they're doing with him.
8: I think um I think I would describe um I, I would describe his performance the way I did Aleister Black earlier. Just, just really hungry in contrast to Orton and AJ. And I, I think they were they were great tonight too. Uh they put on a, a great match. Uh but but Drew was definitely uh more intense, definitely trying harder to uh engage with the fans. Um he did the three two one again. Um it was uh it was a good night for him. I didn't like how how long he was out on the on the side on the on the apron while Orton and AJ fought before he finally came in. You could kind of tell that that's where the finish was coming, but he was he was out there for a pretty long time, and I guess that's just one of the problems with triple threats. But um, I, I was kind of looking for him to have more of an impact in the match, but um, but he he definitely is definitely on the track to engaging with the fans uh, in,
2: a, in a serious way. Um, what was the low point in terms of crowd reaction on this show? Uh, the Singh Brothers, for sure. Yeah, I was thinking of the Eagles Raiders match, yeah.
8: Yeah, the open challenge, people were in, in the crowd were saying, well, because they said something about how they've already gone through the entire uh, Raw tag team division. People thought the Usos were going to come out or some other tag team from NXT might come out. Um, no one expected Singh Brothers definitely
2: a, a big deflating moment uh Brandon, anything else from raw that you want to ask
5: uh, i was just about? gonna say the uh the the, the viking Raiders continue their 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 awful pro, uh, promo cadence that just makes them seem oh. like total just a comic book act which is sad because they're they're both they're they're so talented but yeah yeah that, that <laughs> the, you <laughs> could you could hear you could hear a pin drop on tv when the same brothers came out
2: yeah absolutely yeah
5: sure Um, there
8: were were two other things i had made notes about way yeah yeah Um, talk about it the um the 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 lesnar segment with with r-truth um i guess i was so skeptical of what wwe might do that i didn't even think that lesnar would be there live i I knew they were advertising (laughs) but i thought it'd be an interview or something um so it was kind of cool when he did finally come out um but that segment i think was probably the most entertaining on the show uh because people realize that if, if western's not actually gonna you know be there and fight somebody then you know this was probably better than the same old you know 10 minute uh paul Heyman promo uh truth was hilarious and it felt like at least from where we were sitting that brock was genuinely laughing at our truth it wasn't just playing on that he was he was really having a good time uh the c- whole crowd was laughing and entertained and it wasn't it wasn't like people were groaning when our truth came out it was you know it was intrigued, like okay we're gonna see something funny but um it, it was definitely more entertaining than anything he's been doing in a while and anything that Brock usually does when he just comes out and stands so I think the crowd really appreciated that and they clapped for our truth uh, during the commercial because um it, it was at least in the arena it was really entertaining even though it was kind of kind of silly
2: um uh, anything else that you took in notes or that you want to bring up so we don't get past asking you that
8: yeah no uh the only other thing uh the rowan the rowan thing i keep teasing with the the thing that's in the cage um that that i think is a good idea because it was a horrible spot in the night it was near the end of the show so people were paying attention just because um everyone wants to know what's in the cage and i think that that that's helpful i don't know if if the reveal is then gonna be a dud my my theory and i've been wanting to write into the um to the fix and ask what what taught you and todd think but I think that it's a snake, and I have this idea that they're going to try a new snake gimmick with someone like they did with Jake the Snake, but be something different. Um, I'm not so sure now that um, today, I think he stuck his hand in there and it came out bleeding, so I'm not I'm not really sure what that means, but um, I, I did want to say I think that that is, is at least intriguing. I don't know if it's going to pay off, but the, the build has definitely got a lot of people interested. I could I could tell that.
2: My theory is it's a leaky red pen, but... I'm not sure. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that, that's the deflating thing i was talking about <laughs> yes um any did you notice anything that surprised you just from being there in person about the way the tv show was run um i don't know how many live tv events you've been to but i you know, usually had something you know that sometimes jumps out to you like oh that's what happens during commercial breaks or this was interesting what they did to keep the crowd engaged or anything like that
8: so I've, I've, I've been pretty regularly over the years, back since the Attitude Era um, through now. Obviously, Kentucky had a, a several years where they weren't getting any, any um, wrestling shows because of a law or something that had to do with uh, blood or I don't know what. But uh, we just started getting live shows back a couple of years ago. So I've been going, went to SmackDown, um, I think last year. Um, it is definitely more sterile than it used to be when I was younger. Uh, and I would go to the shows. Um, it's more um, kid-friendly. A lot of the people that I tend to um, fast forward, uh, a lot I could tell the kids were really engaged in. Um, I also thought it was kind of interesting how it seemed like WWE had, had tried to put the Kentucky folks out there. Uh, Ricochet, they shouted out his hometown, Sarah Logan. Um, but then with Sarah Logan, they kind of um, beat her pretty quick but with Charlotte and, didn't seem like they were actually trying to make her look good, but they wanted to get that initial crowd reaction. Um, she was pretty popular in the crowd and people wanted to cheer for her. Um, so I was kind of confused as to why they, you know, wanted to draw that attention just to um, treat her the way they did. But, um, you know, Kentucky, I think, is one of those places where where you have a lot of lifelong fans that have been watching wrestling for, for years and years. And um, they do get pretty excited when the shows come. But um, this was my first three-hour show and it uh it's just it's just a different animal i was I was pretty tired myself, even though I was looking forward to everything. Um, I will say the fist fight people were just so excited that they got to see the um people they were, they came out I think Joe went straight to uh, the ring to get uh, a table they brought kendo sticks to the ring, so people were excited and they just kind of excused the fact that there was nothing about this match that was actual fist fight um but it was just kind of chaos and carnage and he couldn't really keep up so um people people dug it we all were very confused though because buddy murphy was still sitting at the ring uh ringside the entire time and i couldn't tell if he was hurt or if they were even acknowledging it on the crowd until they got to the point where seth was crawling to him so i wasn't really sure why he was there or why he stayed there but um then it became obvious he was gonna get involved in the main event
2: so uh what happened after Ra went off the air
8: um, that was it. After after the show went off the air. Um uh, it, it, it was where the match ended at like um ten fifty six. So yeah. we kinda thought something else was gonna happen. Um, but they just stood around for about four minutes and, and and held their hands up. But after that, um they played Big Show's music and he waved to the fans and uh we left. They they had advertised for the main event. The the same same match that they advertised tonight. It wasn't a fist fight, just a six man tag, so um, there was no dark match afterwards.
2: They, uh, yeah, they, they're, um, they're no. Everyone
8: just kind of stood when the match ended. No one, it, it felt anticlimactic when, when he curb on Big Show. Felt early, and um, people didn't really know what to make of it. What to make of the Buddy Murphy thing. They just, it was a lot of confusion.
2: Yeah, well, what they're doing now at the end of Raw, and, and I think it's good for television, is they're announcing next week's matches, and then they go back to the ring after that for the celebration. So, um, I'm an advocate for, at the end of a show, saying, hey, you know, if you enjoyed this show, here's what's coming up next week. you got a whole week to think about it and, and talk about it. And so that's what they do. So that takes, you know, 30, 45, 30 to 45 seconds, and so, yeah, there's, like, this weird stretch where, the you know, there's a longer celebration and then they close the show with a celebration. So um, it is interesting to hear what it's like in the building because it does feel a little strange when the show's, you know, when you're used to the climax coming right at the, at the top of the hour at the end of the show.
8: Well, that that, that um, promo that they did tonight at the very end where they showed the four or five graphics for next week, uh, the ladder match, people were really uh, bummed that they didn't get to see the ladder match in Lexington. <laughs> uh, that that sounds like an awesome match. But that that thing, that that 30 second promo for last week was what um got me to go ahead and buy tickets that i wasn't oh, wow. otherwise gonna buy so um i think they're doing something good there i'm with you wait on how raw has been better more watchable even though there are still some some problems um it's, it's definitely better um uh, but it, it just didn't have the big star feel um like like it would have to seen the fiend or to see roman or daniel Bryan um it just didn't feel like there's a lot of star power it definitely felt like Um, They're a couple years away from some stars, but no big stars there tonight. uh, Except for, you know, the the Orton's and the AJ Styles
2: type. Um, Yeah, and and, I mean, I think... Lesnar. Yeah, I mean, WWE would hope that you would see Lesnar's appearance as kind of carrying the special attraction aspect. And then Seth and Becky, um, Drew, Orton, AJ kevin kevin owens and and joe but that is more ensemble you know what i mean it's not um for for better or for worse by design or or perforce just based on what they have to work with it's it is what it is you know it is other than lesnar um i'm sure they would like you to think of seth and becky um Mm -hmm. as big big stars but you know orton and aj and and ko and joe um are, are not quite there you know in terms of seeming like the centerpiece act so it's a different situation in terms of being there and thinking you know i I showed up and I got to see the star of this era, other than of course you know Brock Lesnar
8: Brock Lesnar, yeah I, but yeah. I think what it was is more just the people didn't react to them like that they, yeah, they didn't react yeah. to them like they were big deals anymore and yeah. um that that's what I miss that's what I enjoy it, it it's um just it feels different, but it was still a, a good show, and uh, overall, I would say you know thumbs up worth worth it for me to go um
2: for sure. Very good. Uh Jonas, thank you so much. Uh, really appreciate you taking time to talk to us. It, um hopefully next time they're in town you'll uh you'll email. Though we had good we had a number of volunteers for Lexington, so they came through for us. But um really appreciate you uh you you joining us. Thanks,
8: Willie. Thanks for having uh, me. enjoy it. Um
2: everyone go V I P. Thanks, Jonas. Appreciate the plug. Take care. <laughs> All right. See ya. We're about to go to another commercial break. Why are you listening to commercial breaks? Why deal with these interruptions when you can become a VIP member? Support the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcasts, Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows, the PW Torch Daily Casts, and the entire team and everything that we do, and get a ton in return for your membership by becoming a VIP member. Go to pwtorchvipinfo.com for full details, 30-plus years of archives of podcasts, retro radio shows, over 1,600 back issues of the Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly newsletter, a fascinating march through our coverage of wrestling history, and so much more, including ad-free versions of the Wade Keller podcast, Wade Keller post shows, and PW Torch daily casts, and several exclusive VIP podcasts just about every day, dozens of vip exclusive podcast that you're not hearing because you're not a vip member so go vip pwtorch vipinfo.com. subscribe to our vip podcast feed and listen in a streamlined way with no interruptions to all of our podcasts again that's PWtorchVIPinfo.com. all right we are back for the mailbag segment of the program uh, let's uh, let's dive into the mailbag, Brandon, and begin with uh, Josh from Kansas City. What do you guys think are the chances we see Brock Lesnar completely destroy everybody one by one in the match and make it a historically boring Royal Rumble? But then go on to face the fiend at WrestleMania to combine the titles. This might be a good way to get those two on both networks and create more room for stories and not the same two to three challengers for the world titles. For the record, I'm only a fan of that idea if Bray Wyatt went over. I think we should never have Brock with the championship as a part-timer, especially if there's only one. Your thoughts? Uh, Brandon, what do you think?
5: uh with brock entering at number one i i don't think that i i don't think i'd like it i I, and i don't i don't think that i like having a single title right now especially with uh brock lesnar around uh, because of the the tendency for wwe to put that title on him I, i just worry that we would be back in a situation where we have a part-time champion and, and then we have two shows that don't have a champion. And I, I, I worry about that. I also just, I I think you run the risk of, of the crowd kind of turning on that, that match pretty heavily. If it's just completely dominated by Lesnar, I, I'm kind of curious as to what the motivation is for this whole entering Lesnar in the rumble thing in general. I, I mean, Heyman has talked a lot about saying that you know Lesnar's going to win, but have they really talked about his reasoning for wanting to win? I mean, has he stated at any point that his goal is to is to you know be able to go challenge for the the universal title too?
2: No, or is no. It just, I, I yeah. think I think they're by design leaving that unanswered for two reasons one he's going to win and it's that's the hook is you know did he do this to prove that he just wanted him to win the rumble and can be 29 people in one night and have that as a bragging point and on a bullet points of his resume or is it because he does want to utilize that to to challenge for the universal title or is it so he can dictate who his opponent is and avoid or or is it just something that won't make sense from lesnar's standpoint because they actually want someone to challenge lesnar who isn't going to be in the royal rumble And some sort of, you know, uh, special attraction, outsider situation. I mean, it could be all kinds of things. I think Heyman has just said, you know, we just want to make history. And there's not a single opponent worthy of Lesnar. So he's just going to sort of preempt WrestleMania and just beat 29 people in one night.
5: But I guess, like even even that perspective, even Haman's perspective, there is he. I mean, what's the history? Is it because he's the champion doing it? I mean, people have entered at number one before and won. So, is it just the fact that he's the champion and he's choosing to be number one? So, that's, yeah, I think that's, it's a combination okay. of all of that. I think okay. I,
2: I think it's a totality of he's the sure. champion, he's volunteering to be number one, and he's a cha- he's a champion who's entering the rumble and he's choosing to be number one.
5: Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, that it works. I guess it's it's intriguing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm certainly not I'm certainly not down on the idea because I think it's interesting and it makes the rumble interesting. Uh, if if you if you gave me the choice as far as to what to do, uh, I, I think that I would I would err on the side of having someone who you want to face Lesnar at WrestleMania be the guy to eliminate him. And then that guy doesn't need to necessarily win the rumble. So, right. so let's just say let's just say it's Drew McIntyre for example. Uh, McIntyre eliminates Lesnar after Lesnar dominates for a good portion of the match. Drew doesn't win the rumble. Whoever's going to challenge on the SmackDown side of things, say Roman Reigns wins the rumble, and then Lesnar is sort of on this quest to prove that he can beat Drew McIntyre, and so he requests the the match for WrestleMania. I, I think that's the way I would go yeah um but i can certainly see him just winning as well
2: by the way i got a email tonight i'm sure it's out there that uh from wb shop with the new monday night messiah t-shirt with seth rollins <laughs> in front of a stained glass window uh, so that's on a t-shirt uh available to be delivered to your mailbox so check that out all right uh yeah I, i'm intrigued by this too i'm I am just kind of want to see it play out. I've had different scenarios run through my head, and I certainly don't have um, an answer, and I don't want an answer. I don't want anyone to report or get inside word or anything. It'll kind of spoil what we're going to get at the Rumble. Um, I'm looking forward to, uh, to seeing it play out in real time in uh, just, over, just under two weeks. Okay, in uh, Hartford. Good evening, Waiting Ghost. During the Lesnar segment, I was hoping someone would confront him so that it wouldn't be just another week with another really good but ultimately somewhat meaningless Paul Heyman promo. When I saw truth coming out, I was happy someone was coming, not initially disappointed that it was truth. After all, while I've enjoyed the last couple of years of his work, I just knew I'd be bored by this. I thought he'd just say a couple goofy lines before getting F5'd. However, the segment was, all caps, way better than I thought it would be. Truth was absolute gold. The only thing I enjoyed more than listening to him was seeing Lesnar laughing so hard. Of course, the f still came eventually, but what a way to get there. Then I like how it led to Mojo's 24-7 title win. I'm not the biggest Mojo fan, but he seems serviceable, and it appears they can get more out of him than they do. I noticed how good he could be during his recent interactions with KO. Apparently someone else noticed, too. Or maybe Paul Heyman's always liked him. I mean, did you notice? He actually got an entrance on TV tonight. I did note that in my Raw report on (laughs) PWTorch.com that, you know, he got his entrance. I mean, that's... That that's a sign of something, you know, a little extra faith. Um, the, it's the absence of burial is really what it is when you're standing in the ring and you don't get your entrance <laughs> after the break. I usually don't pay too much attention to that, but it stood out to me tonight. Uh, so what do you? So then, what do you know? Later, he wins, or he says, "I got the inflection wrong." Then what do you know? Later, he wins a championship, the twenty four seven championship, but a championship nonetheless. My question is, how much more can they get out of him? What do you think is his ceiling? And as always, thanks for reading and keep up the good work. So, uh, yeah, uh, someone who enjoyed the, the Truth lesnar Heyman interaction, um, and, I, and I, I did too. And then uh, Mojo, I mean, you cannot look at someone winning the 24-7 title and think it means anything. I mean, you know, I mean it, 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 no, you, in and of itself, you can look at the circumstances and say, I think this will mean something. But in and of itself, winning the 24-7 title is a jobber uh, championship that you will lose in a comedic fashion probably on YouTube this week.
5: Yeah, I, I, I don't put much stock in uh, in in anyone li- winning the twenty four seven title. I, I think Mo- Mojo Raleigh is getting a moment at about the level that he is slotted for. I mean, this is a guy who a week ago or two weeks ago was you know cowering in in over the top. Uh, Kind of ridiculous comedy at seeing whatever was in Eric Rowan's cage, so I don't think that this is some in, in some indication that there's much bigger things to come for mojo, but one thing that does strike me is it feels like uh it feels like if there is a reason to heat Mojo up at any point, it's probably because they're aiming for some sort of uh appearance from Rob Gronkowski, so maybe keep an eye out for that oh yeah, really
2: <laughs> Gronk as he is. Yeah. Uh, I hear he's often called. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, Mojo, it's been so start and stop with him. I mean, there's a reason he's still around and there's a reason he hasn't gotten a big push. And so I think his ceiling is, is roughly where he is now. Um, you know, it, it's, it's hard to be around as long as he has and, and, and think that somehow magically they're going to decide he's worth a serious push. I mean, that's bad news for Kurt Hawkins and Heath Slater, you know, but I mean, once you're at a certain place for a very long time, it's, I, I mean, your ceiling is is predetermined, but it also is probably, in his case, deserved. Um, seems, he yeah.
5: seems like a guy to me that that would be better served in a tag team, and I don't know, you know, necessarily who you pair him up with. But I thought that he and uh, he and Ryder had, you know, a little bit of something. Yeah. it wasn't wasn't you know, it certainly wasn't a main event tag team act by any means, but it's a decent lower card uh, lower card tag act, and I, I think he could he could work in something like that again. Uh, William in San Diego says, quick question, does Becky not have the same clairvoyant
2: abilities as Charlotte, which would have allowed her to pull her hair back before getting hit with a cream mist? (laughs) In all seriousness, I really like that contract signing. It's weird to see one of those segments end without someone going through a table, but it was really good. Looking forward to their match. Thanks for taking the time to read my email. Yeah, Charlotte. uh, I mean, I don't want to pick on her, but there's, you know, just stuff like that is, is not good. And Becky just, you know, she's she's you know better in that regard I it's it's not really anything to compliment Becky over it just was it just ridiculous that Charlotte did it um but I also understand you know the idea is you need to get green mist all over your face and someone said you know make sure your hair is pulled back and she just really made sure her hair was pulled back
5: <laughs> yeah I, I i think uh i think if 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 anyone is if if you want to narrow down a list of of people who really had disappointing 2019s, uh, especially from the women's perspective, I, I you know look no further than Charlotte. I, I just think that she's regressed so much as a character in in the last year or so. I, I thought that she. Uh, was sort of shoehorned into the the match at WrestleMania. That uh, I not that the match was bad, and not that the angle was necessarily bad leading up to it. I just thought that it was much better served as a one on one between Ronda and Becky. I think that's what the fans wanted. Um, and I think Charlotte has just been sort of floundering ever since. And and she continues. I, I mean, if you want to point to one really negative aspect of, of this show and and of Raw overall in this this upward trend in the last couple of months it's that charlotte just continues to be in this holding pattern and and i get that there needs to be uh, a sort of wait and see approach because she's being held off to the side right now while this becky and and oscar feud plays out and rightfully so but uh, they should be using this time that, that she's not in the spotlight to really hone in on her character because I don't know who Charlotte is anymore. Uh, she's just – she's turned so many times. She she hasn't been involved really in anything meaningful in months. I just uh, – that she's just cold. I, and, and I'm not like super against putting her on television on
2: a regular basis. What, what I'm be, befuddled by is the lack of any direction on how we're supposed to feel about mm-hmm. it. I just, yeah, I mean, I, is she a face? Is she a heel? Is she meant to be likable? Are we meant to think she's badass? Is she arrogant? I, I just don't know. How do you feel about the, or what's your best guess, I guess I should say, on on what they are trying to do with her in terms of if she lands as a face or a heel, or are they trying to frame her just as like a star above the others? I mean, Sarah Logan, I guess, was a heel, because based on what she did to, to her robe, and yeah. but then you know the way she talks and you know the referee it's just so arrogantly carrying the robe it's just she carries herself in a way where it's like right, I'm not going to cheer for that.
5: Well, I think we're seeing a situation where Charlotte unofficially turned babyface and began being booked against heels, but she didn't change her persona at all. Yeah, it's like she turned without turning. So th- that's the problem when you do these unofficial turns, where suddenly somebody is just a babyface because they need a babyface this week. I mean, unlike a person who typically does that, her character never followed suit. It's like she didn't get the memo. She just started being booked as booked against heels one week, and and was sort of aligned with babyfaces even though she's not playing a babyface. It's 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 weird. There there's just been no no clarity, no direction on her character, and it's been it's been like that for a long time which is is really weird and and intriguing considering how much value and and how much time and energy they've invested into her over the years to see her kind of floating around like this you you know you, you can tell she's still in favor in the company just because of the way that she's presented in terms of her 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 number of appearances the fact that you know she usually wins the majority of her matches she's portrayed as dominant but we just don't know who she is
2: absolutely how do you feel about referees holding the ropes open for her
5: uh I've, I've never been a fan of it yeah i i, I mean, and either. especially especially when she's a baby face it, it just comes off i mean it, it's a it's a heel move <laughs> and and
2: i just don't think referees should be complying i mean i just yeah. I, I think it just it's it's lame i mean the referee is there to enforce rules and have authority over the wrestlers not act like the royal servant of this mm. royal wrestler i i can't imagine in I mean, maybe someone's going to point to boxing, where some referee opened the ropes for Muhammad Ali back in the day, and be like, "See it happen in real life." But I just, I, I first of all, I wouldn't want to be the opponent of someone who the referee is kowtowing to like that yeah. um, and acting subservient to. Uh, it just, it, I just think it's a bad look. You know, babyface or heel. I, I think it's a bad look for the promotion and the referees in the sense that the authority, the referee has authority if it's a heel or a face. But I think it's, it's very much not a babyface type thing. And yeah, I just. I don't know. I mean, I don't think it crosses Ms. McMahon's mind because he just sees referees as these sniveling, you know, non athlete wannabes who are just there to hopefully not have their name ever mentioned on TV. But yeah, name, uh, Nameless, faceless. It's <laughs> just. Yeah. Yeah. The referees. Yeah. yeah. Go go ahead. Go ahead.
5: No, it's just it's just weird. Charlotte Charlotte spends, you know, most of her her WWE career fighting against the tide of of being compared to her father. But really, when you look at her gimmick and her mannerisms, I mean, uh, everything is everything. Everything about her is set up to be. A spitting image of Ric Flair. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's weird. It, it, it's been weird with her for forever, really. I don't think we've ever had a clear definition of, of who that character is. No, and I feel kind of bad
2: watching her because I don't think she has had a chance to find her voice. I mean, yeah. if this is her voice, I don't know if that's the right voice to yeah. have. You <laughs> know, I mean, it's just that robotic, monotone voice. It's, it's not, that's not a personality, and I, she has one, and she just loses it on air, and it, it seems like she's framed out of it. Anyway some of pro wrestling's best podcasts are vip exclusive and you can go vip and find out why we have been supported by paid subscribers for over 30 years with our exclusive top shelf content including pro wrestling torch senior columnist bruce mitchell with the bruce mitchell audio show i usually host that program although he has a variety of guest hosts with different themes and unmatched historical insight but primarily providing insight and hard-hitting analysis and a opinion on what today's news means. Also, the fix with Todd Martin. Every midweek Todd and I sit down for two and a half, three and a half hours with analysis of the latest TV shows and major events from WWE, AEW, New Japan, and many others. Plus, we'll keep you up to date on what just happened in the world of MMA, USC, Bellator, and more and what's coming up the following weekend. Plus book reviews, reviews of documentaries, and so much more comprehensive coverage ...of the worldwide pro wrestling scene. And then the Unmatched Mailbag segment. This is one of the highlights of the week in the pro wrestling podcast world. I know I sound like I'm exaggerating, but this is great stuff. The the fixed listeners provide fantastic questions, and Todd delivers every week. You will learn, you will think, and you will appreciate professional wrestling on another level when you go VIP. And that includes Bruce and Todd joining me for post-pay-per-view roundtables following WWE and AEW pay-per-view events. Where we spend roughly an hour, sometimes longer, breaking down the pay-per-view. As soon as it ends, we are recording that podcast. And within about 90 minutes, it's available for VIP members on our VIP exclusive podcast feed. All the VIP shows are available on popular podcast apps on both iPhone and Android. No ads, no plugs on the VIP exclusives. And we remove the plugs and ads from the free shows that also show up on the VIP podcast feed Sometimes sooner then the general public has access to them. That's just scratching the surface. Go check out full details on VIP benefits, including retro radio shows from the early to late 1990s, our podcast dating back to the mid-2000s, back issues of the Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly newsletter, over 1,600 of them, and so much more. Full details at pwtorchvipinfo.com. That's pwtorchvipinfo.com. Join the ranks of the most well-informed and most entertained pro wrestling fans with the best podcast lineup anywhere. Go VIP and get these shows with the ads and plugs removed also. A huge bonus, PWTorchVIPinfo.com. Let's go to uh, when we have Zach Haydorn on. It's like there's a bunch of Zachs who email. But I'm glad to say, Brandon, we have a Brandon who emailed uh, (laughs) from Poughkeepsie. This has been my favorite episode of Raw in many months. The Lana Lashley stuff has graded on and bored me to date, and this was one of their better segments overall. The R-Truth Brock segment was a perfect bit of levity and didn't overstay its welcome. The solid it was solid promo work was Alina and Ray, further expansion of Drew's character, and continuing the intriguing build to Randy and AJ's feud. Murphy Black hasn't even happened yet as I email this, and that's a guaranteed hit. So keep it coming, Mr. Heyman. Um, so um, some uh, some positive stuff there. And I did think Lana and Lashley had moments um you know where it was just like you know like people rip on Lana's acting and sometimes I I don't know if they understand like I don't think he's trying to be pleasant or a good act a good actor per se she's just trying to be you know not not Vicky Guerrero exactly but like I think she's annoying people in the way that she's intending to annoy them and it to me it seems sort of convincing not like a nice person trying to be mean
5: yeah there's a weird um I've been trying to come up with a word for it or or a description of it. There's a way that Lana delivers her lines that throws me off. And I I, I still don't have an exact explanation for it. The way that she delivers some of her lines, it's like she uh, it's like she goes about it in a really convoluted way, almost as if like it's it's almost as though she's like a uh, like like someone who doesn't have a firm gla- grasp of the language even though it is her you know her her primary language and sure. it, it isn't even it isn't even meant to necessarily be a knock on her it's just like it happens usually when she gets worked up and and it doesn't come off. It's really strange because you would think that in the moment, a, a kind of a flub like that would come off as her sounding natural and unscripted, but instead it sounds somehow worse. And I can't put my finger on exactly what it is. But uh, I'm a fan of Lana overall. I, I think that her her act is is good more often than it isn't. I. I, I don't I haven't liked this angle, and part of that is because I, I just I unfortunately find Bobby Lashley. I mean, bless his heart, but just a just a void of charisma. I, I just can't. I I've never been a fan of Lashley. Yeah. I, I've tried. I've tried to get behind the, this push, and it. I just can't. Uh, but tonight, and 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 she's done this a lot. I think where Lana really, really excels is her facial expressions and, and her mannerisms. When she isn't talking, you can tell that she has training beyond what a pro wrestler typically would. Uh, I, I would point specifically to the look on her face when Liv Morgan came out during the wedding. Uh, her face was communicating about a hundred different things all at once. Uh, shock, embarrassment, anger, uh, even like a, a certain level of like longing for, for maybe that relationship. She's really, really good with her eyes and with her mannerisms. Uh, it just, just communicating what she's trying to get across even better than she is with her voice. So I always like watching that and she did it again tonight when Liv showed up and, and they kind of zoomed in on her face on the outside she's really really good at that and i think that that's likely just a a, a matter of uh, the fact that she's got you know some some pretty serious acting training
2: all right uh up next uh jay from New york after watching the opening segment and match on Raw tonight i think wwe should throw their weight totally behind drew mcintyre the promos look and presence all seem like a perfect fit for a Vince McMahon show mcintyre's offense is believable something sorely lacking in the wrestling business as a whole right now Yes, that was a shot at AEW. I haven't seen McIntyre do mainstream and media or mainstream media appearances, but he has a look that I think would work on Fox, ESPN, etc. Do you think he'll be the guy to throw Lesnar out of the Rumble? And would he be your pick? Um, he'd be on my short list for sure. Oh.
5: Yeah, I, I uh, give give me. I mean, yeah. If you if you. Were to give me a uh, list of potential opponents for Lesnar at WrestleMania, I mean, I mean, Drew McIntyre would be my guy at this point. I think uh, if you want to run with him as a baby face, you do that. You have him be the guy that that unseats Brock Lesnar. You you use this return and this new attitude as a total reset i think drew as i was mentioning earlier comes across as a as a very very natural and likable kind of raw raw baby face the perfect kind of guy to defend the sort of um defend the 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 territory of pro wrestling and defend uh sort of the defend the fans against Brock Lesnar defend the idea of the championship against uh the part-time champion if they wanted to get back into that story uh if they want to tell that story again hopefully without you know belittling lesnar too much this time around uh drew is just drew Drew is is the perfect guy to do that and i uh i've heard a lot of uh, a lot of long-form interviews with drew i mean once uh, i i think i think from the tour two years back and then in other places as well uh, he he would be a great representative of the of the company on on, you know, the the news circuit and the, the sports circuit, whatever, wherever you want to yeah. throw him. He's incredibly well spoken, really, really smart, really affable. Uh, yeah. I, Drew Drew's got pretty much all the intangibles you would want.
2: He, he can walk out on the Tonight Show and, yeah. and on to the Today Show set. And absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, he, he would be very, very, very good in that in that role. All right, Todd, uh, Zach in Texas, I was hoping to not have to start my email this way again this week, but what the hell? This Lana Quadrangle story gets more ridiculous each week. Now we're being subjected to a mixed tag match? When is enough enough? They involve Liv Morgan, but are too chicken crap to address the lesbian story they started. It's just frustrating. At this point, the Chris Statlander Nightmare Collective in AEW is better than this. Can we please just end this travesty of a storyline already? On a positive note, our truth is an absolute national treasure. <laughs> oh, and sorry about your Vikings Wade. I'm guessing the NFC Championship game is going to be hard to watch. <laughs> um, no, I mean it's fun to have a team to root against, so that adds a little little something. Um, yeah, the Liv thing, I mean like Lana talked about it but didn't, you know, specifically, and then Liv came out and they're not really saying why she has an issue with Lana. The announcers aren't saying it. It's not even being talked to in a in a in a like uh, they're not talking even on the edges of it. Um, It's just not really being addressed why Liv has an issue with Juana.
5: Yeah, I'm of two minds of this. If you start something, you should finish it. I mean, first and foremost, if you you – you don't want to leave all of these sort of open-ended questions just dangling out there in the wind. At the same time, do I trust WWE to handle a storyline like that with any sort of human decency or – you know any sort of uh progressive mindset anything of the sort not really so i guess it becomes like a if you can't say anything nice don't say it at all so yeah i I guess i guess like i i I wish they just hadn't done it in the first place because i i I don't think that they have the wherewithal to follow it up in any sort of meaningful way and if they do follow up on it i just don't i don't think it's going to be good so
2: yeah yeah i I think they should own it, um, and talk about it if they're going to do it in the first place. But we'll see. I mean, I, I sort of – I think it'll get brought up again once when, when that match takes place. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. I don't know. I mean, I don't know for sure, I think. I don't think they have to, uh, but I think they'll be criticized for not doing so. Um, so we'll see. I, today, Tonight might be a hint that they're trying to move away from it for whatever reason, and I'm not sure if they got a backlash or they're just nervous or they wanted to – They wanted this sizzle, but didn't want to have to, you know, carry carry it over and follow up on it. Mm. Uh, VIP member Kevin from North Carolina, I don't have a lot of time before heading to work tonight, but I do have a couple points about Raw. I enjoyed the Heyman-Lesnar segment. Brock was smiling multiple times throughout, and that tickled me when he said, that's what's up. After laying truth out, I marked out. I think the Rusev promo is why they kept the microphone away from him for so long. Bob and Lana are a waste of breath. Liz promo seemed standard WWE promo. Throwing in a curse word, you got a pop, and someone should tell Charlotte that the way Becky did it is the way Mist should be sold. I've been partial to Oscar for a long time now, but that segment made me want to pull for Becky. Thanks for all the great VIP content. Thank you, uh, Kevin. PWTorch.com slash go VIP if you want to follow Kevin and others who have endorsed VIP tonight. Um, yeah, more comments. Oh, did do you have any issue with the uh, Rusev promo?
5: Uh, it was uh, pretty. Pretty standard to me. I, I think sometimes rusev's a hit, sometimes he's a miss. I think he's been more hit more miss than hit in this angle, but I think everyone's been more hit more miss than hit in this angle. So I'm not really faulting him specifically. Uh Liv, yeah, I agree. You know, just throw in a curse word to get a pop, uh shock value. Um they've been doing that a little bit more lately. Uh I'm interested to see what they what they can get out of Liv Morgan. I, I, I was never a fan of her work in, in the Riot Squad. Uh, but uh but we'll we'll see. You know. I, I think that again, this, this angle's not for me. So yeah. I, I know that it's doing it's doing well on YouTube and whatnot and it seems to be doing well in the ratings. So there is a segment for it, obviously. It's 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 not me though.
2: <laughs> um the uh uh
5: what
2: was I gonna say about it? I Oh I know Rusev in his promos. Um it's hard to imagine Rusev having like a serious edge to him. His character after this like yeah. i think he kind of has to you know be more of a kind of mid card you know level above santino in the ring but mm-hmm. you know when you're wearing a, a beach shirt in front of a fake backdrop and you've been emasculated and you're trying to you know act like you don't care uh and you're you know the english is broken but you have this smile on your face the whole time it's just yeah he's just kind of a goofball now and i mean i he can be it i'm curious to see what Payment and company do with him after this angle is over with and yeah. and where he goes but you know i i do think they you know as a as a one-dimensional heel um i think he was effective as a bulgarian brute but as a baby face i think he's showing a little too much of that aspect of his personality like cesaro did where vince just looks at him as a bit of a goof and you know even wade barrett started off serious and then you know some of his backstage demeanor just sort of Define him in the eyes of Vince McMahon as someone who's not like a serious guy it's like the opposite of drew mcintyre you know mm-hmm. um drew and roman and you know, there's top guys who carry themselves like top guys 24 7 and 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 it's not i mean it's not a knock on Rusev's personality it and it would be weird to be phony all the time but i do think when you're just sort of fun loving and gregarious and loosey goosey it can actually change the way you're perceived if especially if it gets written for you to be that way on the air
5: yeah, I think this this whole angle has really just been a, a, a vehicle for Lana to wear, you know, promiscuous clothing and and yes. <laughs> and uh, and sort of show off her 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 acting chops for you know lack of a better term what what she can get out of an angle like this i mean this is obviously a vehicle for her the the peripheral stuff doesn't really matter and that's why the matches don't really matter and they're not really getting over this is really about lana and unfortunately bobby lashley I, i mean i guess to some extent you can say he's getting hurt though i don't really think that there was anything much going on with him anyway. Rusev is definitely being hurt by this. And I, I I would have a hard time looking at that character seriously again um, after this. And I, I also just, you know, I I still, at the end of the day, I still question the motivation for, for doing this anyway. I I mean, we've seen time and time again, that, that Rusev and Lana are most successful when they're together. I mean, people know that people know that they're a real life couple. They like them. They're affable on social media, on total divas. They've they've always been a pair that outside of the ring, people have gravitated to and have really enjoyed. And I just don't I don't see what the what the value is in uh, splitting that up and and putting it in, putting them in a situation where it would be really hard to ever put them together again on TV.
2: Yeah. I, I agree. I don't know how they get there, uh, and I don't know if that's the destination. But I think you're right. This was about putting law in situations that were titillating and exciting for Vince McMahon and viral views. And I, I don't. I sense they're extending it because of that viral aspect mm. beyond the original uh, story arc.
5: Yeah, and 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 the thing is too. You know, like I said to to, to start the show tonight. If if this were a bad era of RAW, we would be talking about this more than anything else, and it would be framing our opinion of the show because yeah. there have been times where they've done angles like this that have been you know pretty subjectively bad, but you know most most people that that follow this you know this ty- this type of show would probably agree that it hasn't been their favorite thing, but. It's you can overlook it because of of the quality of the rest of the show. So I'm I'm much less like I said, it's not for me, but I'm much less negative about it overall than I would be if this were an overall bad show and a bad down period.
2: Well, I close out with VIP member Chris from Buffalo just says, can we just appreciate that Brock Lesnar seemed to be legitimately enjoying himself while laughing at our truth being well, our truth. That is all. Thanks. And as always, go VIP. Uh, Thanks, Chris. Yeah, I mean. I go full circle back to that. I, I I enjoy watching a wrestling show where it seems like people loosen up and are enjoying themselves, as long as it doesn't undercut the concept of what's going on. And it might sound contradictory with Rusev, who seems to always be enjoying himself. He's a gregarious, happy guy. But with Lesnar, you know, it was he was getting a kick at a little bit at the expense of at our at truth getting jokes in at the expense of Paul Heyman. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and that was interesting uh, to to watch happen. Uh, I thought Orton like throwing the mic up in the air um, was a, a moment of like, oh, what was that all about? I, like, there's there's just moments where it feels like there's some body language improvising going on, um, and and um, genuine emotional reactions that are a little lighter, l i t e, you know, in that sense. And um and and, and I like that. And I, I again, that's why. I just thought, you know, say what you will about, you know, Brock's got to be super serious and stand there and and not express emotion and be stoic, but – I thought this expanded his character and, and made Paul – next time Paul Heyman comes out, you don't know where it's going to go. I think Paul had gotten a little predictable in that narrow lane that he had been driving in for, for years now. Um, so and just seeing our truth and Lesnar in the ring in a segment together just in and of itself was unexpected. And I, I, I thought it worked, and I thought Lesnar laughing was uh, a, an emotional range that doesn't make him a baby face um, because ultimately he still beat up our truth and is a jerk. Uh, but it was a fun TV moment.
5: Yeah, I. Uh, I mean, I started the night not necessarily negative on it, but just sort of indifferent. I, I listed it sort of as a negative, but a very distant negative. Uh, but throughout the night, I, I've kind of been, I've kind of been convinced I'll, I'll come over to the dark side or the light <laughs> side, however you want to, light side, however yeah. you want to phrase it. I, uh, I, I, yeah, I, I mean, it, it does work, and I, I do like, um, I, I do like when Brock kind of has sort of moments of levity, even if, even if it, you know, we see Brock laugh from time to time, and usually it's at the expense of someone else and it does it does help his case especially after they hurt him so badly to at any point make him seem like he's at least not uh royally pissed off to have been flown on a private jet to whatever (laughs) location he's at i mean like you know tonight he looks like uh he looked like this was worth his time
2: yeah you know and, <laughs> and you know what's weird is that can actually go a long way to a certain group of fans not resenting him as much in a top-heel yeah. champion role. And yeah. it, it actually can serve uh, an uh, perhaps an unexpected purpose. I don't think it would be necessarily by design, although I wouldn't put it past Paul Heyman to go, oh, people don't think you ever enjoy being here. And, you know, let's, you know, the internet and social media says go away, and I think it's in our best interest to uh, have fans think that you're actually enjoying being a wrestler, and we can still do that in the context of you being a heel. I mean, I wouldn't put it past Paul to be thinking that. He's very <clears> perceptive and plugged into this kind of thing. So, you know, yeah. All right, uh, Brandon, thank you so much. Always great having you on.
5: Yeah, a lot of fun. Uh, glad uh, glad to have a, a pretty good show to talk about, and hopefully uh, hopefully we we start to see sort of maybe some of this influence, you know, Paul Paul Heyman or otherwise creep in on onto SmackDown because I think that that, that show has been kind of suffering <laughs> as of late, and uh, it's it's interesting it's interesting to be talking about Raw as as one of the better programs of of the week on on a on a consistent basis, but that's that's where we are it's nice you know it's, it's made my mondays better yeah. um yeah
2: so how can people follow you on uh, on twitter
5: uh, you can follow me at uh, B Leclaire twelve. I tweet about wrestling. I tweet about uh, a little bit of music, a little bit of uh, movies, especially now that we're we're deep in the heart of Oscar season. Oscar Oscar nominees came out this morning, so uh, I'll probably be uh, joining in the chatter about that a little bit. Uh, and a little bit of football too. So yeah, a little bit of a bunch of stuff. I, wrestling probably is is the most dominant of the topics, but I dabble in a little bit of all of it. So. Cool, cool. Thanks again, and we'll uh, talk to you very soon.
2: Sounds good. Follow me on Twitter at the Wade Keller. Follow our brand at PWTorch on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Of course, check out PWTorch.com for live TV coverage Monday, Wednesday, and Friday nights. TV reports on just about all the other promotions. Ryan Sullivan now taking over ROH TV reports. He is the co-host, along with Tyler Sage, of the relatively new VIP-exclusive podcast – covering Ring of Honor each week with a booking change or a booking edition. Uh, Marty Skrull uh, replacing Hunter Johnston as the head booker of ROH should get some uh, some buzz going for ROH again with the next set of TV tapings and uh, to see if they can kind of pick things up and just Marty Skrull signing. is a big deal. So um, anyway, check out uh, pwtorch.com for coverage of uh, NWA, ROH, and on and on, along with breaking news, including the uh, Wednesday Night Ratings Battle and and Raw, if, uh, if Paul can... Paul and company, the executive director, Paul Heyman, and, and everybody associated with Rock can take some pride in, in uh, continuing to beat last year's numbers in the ratings. Uh, we'll see how that turns out on, uh, on Tuesday. So check out pwtorch.com on a daily basis. Uh, hits and misses columns on most of the major TV shows and much more. All right, that'll do it for me for today. Check out the blue brand later this week. And I'll be back on Wednesday night here on the red brand, the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show with an AEW Dynamite episode so uh join us uh wednesday night right after dynamite within five minutes we'll be live you can find the link at pwtorch on twitter or at pwtorch.com and look up my dynamite report and there'll be a link at the top and bottom of the report directing you to the live stream until next time thanking brandon and Jonah, our on correspondent our callers and our emailers and and you our listeners thanks so much and we'll talk to you next time you'd like to hear this show without ads and plugs interrupting, there's one thing you can do right now to make that happen, and that is become a PW Torch VIP member. You get about a dozen other podcasts throughout the week that I host that are VIP exclusive, and you get the Wade Keller post-shows and podcasts during the week with the ads and plugs removed, all on a separate feed exclusively for VIP members, plus tons of other podcasts that are VIP exclusive, access to our full archives of podcasts dating back to 2004, which includes post-Pay-Per-View roundtables dating back to... 2004. Also, access to our full archives, thousands of podcasts, over 1,500 back issues of the Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly newsletter that started it all. Add for access to our website and more. Check out full details at pwtorchvipinfo.com. That's pwtorchvipinfo.com to get full details and then jump to our sign-up form. It's mobile friendly, desktop friendly. In two minutes. You can be a VIP member, show support for us, and we'll give you a lot in return, including a streamlined listening experience on your iPhone or Android device with the ads and plugs removed. Go check it out, pwtorchvipinfo.com. If you're a wrestling fan, you're a fan of a good story. And if you're looking for a good story, look no further than stories of your and yours. I'm Sean Ennis, and on every episode of Stories of Your and
4: Yours, I narrate a classic or listener-submitted short story, adding music and sound
2: effects to bring the story new flavor. I featured authors such as Edgar Allan Poe, Kurt Vonnegut, Ray Bradbury, Mark Twain, and many more. So don't wait any longer. Download Stories of Your, that's Y-O-R-E, and yours, that's Y-O-U-R-S, today. And if you want to hear clips and get more information, you can find the show
8: on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at SYY Podcast. That's stories
4: of your and yours, available wherever you get your podcasts.